the boards in front of the 200. Dr. Grayson, Sedestin are challenging and better loosen up on the extreme outside. Sedestin and Benelux have come away. They're fighting it out. Better loosen up on the extreme outside is roaring clear and better loosen up wins the Sajano. Sedestin second. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. Do any of your horses struggle to finish their feeds during a racing preparation? Have you been unhappy with the way they look on race day? Do what many other trainers do with those finicky horses and introduce them to Pride's easy performance by stimulating their appetites with Pride's highly palatable set recipe feed you might find they're not leaving a flake in their feed bits. Correct nutrition helps racehorses to deal with the stresses of racing and training. It helps them to get that elusive win when they're in the right race and most importantly, helps them to bounce back after the event. Pride's Easy Performance provides the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses get to the line while helping them to maintain inner health. Pride's Easy Performance, the complete nutritional feed for equine performance athletes. A tempting offer made by Toby Edmonds to Ryan Maloney in 2018 couldn't have come at a better time for the Victorian jockey. Ryan had just completed a four-month suspension imposed by stewards after he'd returned a positive test to a banned stimulant at a Caulfield meeting. In hindsight, he now believes that he was also exhibiting signs of depression at the same time. Toby Edmonds, who was still training in his own right at that time, had a big team of horses in work on the Gold Coast and was anxious to secure the right jockey to replace the retiring veteran, Jeff Lloyd. Toby had used Maloney's services on a couple of trips to Melbourne previously and had been impressed with his riding and his demeanour. When Ryan's wife Shaley and his two young daughters gave the thumbs up, it was off to sunny Queensland for a brand new challenge. It's not hard to imagine Ryan's feelings exactly three years later when he was crowned Queensland Jockey of the Year for the 2020-21 season. 77 wins had given him the state and metropolitan premierships. It was obvious within weeks of his arrival in Queensland that Ryan's reputation as a top-class jockey had preceded him. Tony Gollan's generous support has resulted in many wins, including the Magic Millions with Skirt the Law, Annabelle Neesham's initiative in bringing him to Sydney on a couple of occasions has resulted in Group 1 and Group 2 wins with Sunshine in Paris. Heartbreaking circumstances saw Ryan robbed of an Everest ride on the same mare. It's high time we cornered Ryan Maloney for an overdue chat on our podcast. Ryan, thanks for joining us. I appreciate your time. Uh, no, pleasure's all mine, John. You've settled in Queensland at a good time, haven't you? Prize money's up, Eagle Farm's back to its best, and that brand-new Gold Coast track is open for business. I believe you've ridden in some trials there recently. Yeah, John, uh, it's coming ahead leaps and bounds, Queensland. Um, like you said, prize money's up. Um, the infrastructure's starting to really pick up, uh, certainly with Gold Coast um, renovating their track. Um 
I uh, like you said, I did trials on there the other week, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a, it's just a total of different course from what the old one was. Um, it, it, it cambers really well, um, and it just rides perfect, like um, uh, like a good like any good track should. They say night racing on the Gold Coast will happen. Yeah, I couldn't say why not. Um, uh, well, it's obviously the uh, one of Australia's um, uh, tourist capitals of Australia, and mm. I mean uh, you, you're basically ten minutes away from Surfers Paradise, and anyone coming up for a holiday that uh, loves loves a gamble and uh, races, mm. uh, it fitting fitting perfect with them. Well, they say things are meant to happen. Thank goodness Toby Edmonds came looking for you when he brought a horse called Eptimum to Melbourne a few years ago. You won three straight on that horse, a maiden at Ballarat, a benchmark at Bendigo, and the Group 3 Red Anchor Stakes at Mooney Valley. How did you get to connect with Toby at that time? Uh, he, he he came down to Caulfield and stabled at Caulfield when he, when he had his horses. When he had his horses... Um, uh, racing here, and mm. I, I rode majority of my work sort of at Caulfield, and uh, a couple of times I just hopped on his gallops and mm. started a bit of a bit of association with him there. And uh, the next time he came down, he uh, yeah he, he just asked if I had a ride and a maiden at Ballarat, and would mm. I be interested? And I said, yeah, no, no worries at all. And that's mm. how uh, that's how we got started. Yeah, you also rode that horse in the Group 1 Coolmore Stud Stakes won by Merchant Navy. He went okay that day, didn't he? But it was a big jump in class. Yeah, he uh, he was a horse that um, he didn't like to get sort of out of his rhythm or he um, he could throw the toys out pretty quick. So if you left him to his own devices, he, he, he was very happy and he'd always give you everything he had, but... That day he just got poleaxed about a furlong out of the gates, and he he after that he just never re- recouped. And mm. um, considering uh, that happened, he actually ran quite quite well. Mm. Toby was back in Melbourne a year later with his flying filly Hootson, and you were his go-to jockey again. You had three rides on Hootson. You ran second to Nature Strip in the McEwen, fifth in the Moyer to Vidora and sixth in the Manicato to Brave Smash. Didn't she have amazing speed, Hootson? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She um she was very stiff in both the Moyer and uh, uh, the other the other one, sorry. Manicato. Uh, Manicato, so, yeah, she was mm. very stiff in both of them. Just missed uh, being nature stripped. Um, but, she, yeah, she was another one that uh, he uh, always put it, but always gave you everything she had, and she, she was very classy man. Let's stay in Victoria for a while, Ryan, your home state, where you were born and reared on the family farm at Colac. You have one brother, you have two sisters. You tell me your grandfather raced a few horses, but apart from that, there is no racing in your background. No, sorry, John, it's two brothers, one sister. I um, beg your pardon, yep. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I never got to meet my grandpa, um, but... Uh, his name's still on the wall at uh, Tatura Racing Club. Um, and funny enough, I always had a lot of success at Tatura every time I went there. So it was obviously, it was obviously him looking down on me. And mm. um, But, yeah, my dad wasn't interested in it. No, uh, none of the other sort of family was in- interested in it. So 
apart from the occasional collect races where we'd go just go for a day out, um, never had any interest in it. I read somewhere you didn't sit on a horse until you were 16 and the thought of becoming a jockey really wasn't on your radar. So when did that all change? Yeah, no, I um, I was playing footy uh, and our, my good mate, uh, his dad, he uh, he had trotters mm-hmm. or paces. One, I can't remember, but it was one or the other. And a uh, local trainer, Mel Carson, had uh, leased boxes at the stable. Mm-hmm. And my mate's dad just went up and asked him, do you reckon you'd be able to teach his kid to ride? And he said, mm-hmm. yeah, no worries. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really keen on it, but they sort of persuaded me and – uh, yeah, from from uh, from basically never setting on a horse, I just learnt the ropes of leading one, mm. t- uh, saddling one up. Uh, I didn't really find it interesting at all until I seen one gallop on the course proper, and then I thought I'd growing up riding motorbikes and uh, tried having paddock bashes and whatnot. Um, yeah, I thought that geez, that looked like good fun, so I, uh, I stuck mm. around. Well, you certainly did, and thank goodness you did, because uh, you've had a wonderful career. Your first apprenticeship was with Mark Young at home at Colac. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I spent a little bit of time with Calvin Burke and Terry O'Sullivan, but mm-hmm. um, it, it, uh, ended up with Mark, and he um, he had a good setup at uh, Colac. Um, him and Doug Sapelli had a big property, and um, one of Mark, main owners, and Doug is a trainer in his own right. But they set up a um, a, a Fisco track, which probably I think would really would have been, apart from Flemington, one of the first ones mm. um, to do to do the poly track. Mm. Um, and yeah, they gave me great support, basically from day dot. Um, he was quite intr- instrumental, and um, he had some really good owners in Grant Austin, Nigel mm. Austin. As we all know, is is Rosemont, mm. um, his dad, um, and they they gave me great support. It was basically me and Wayne Hawkeye that did all the riding for Mark uh, while he was training at Kyla. Mm. It's very unkind of me to reveal the details of your first race ride, Ryan Maloney. It was in a Horsham maiden on the thirteenth of October two thousand and two. You rode Bull Boris. Yep. He ran last. He was beaten <laughs> thirty-two lengths. I looked him up. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, in hindsight. I, I all I wanted to do was just get out there, and but I just really wasn't ready by any means. Um, mm. It was he was nearly eighteen hands high. I was basically a pimple on him. Eighteen. Um, Good I, yeah, it was nearly. Yeah, it was huge, but big, huge of a horse. He was a first starter, mm. uh, and. It was that big that he just fit in the barriers, and uh, I think they put a, a not a barrier blanket, the barrier extension on on him just to make sure he fit. Good. Ass. And he jacked up in the gate, so I had to pull him out. I just thought, oh, geez, I'll come all this way mm. uh, from the first ride, and it's going to get scratched. But uh, luck, luckily enough, they let him run. But uh, unfortunately for me, he uh, he had no idea, and he neither did I. And his length <laughs> last the whole race. So I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Couldn't keep up. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he finished about 30 lengths last, and I thought, geez, that went quick. I hope they all run like that. Yeah, Ryan, many, many jockeys that we've had on the podcast over the years have told me a similar story about yeah. their first race ride. Your first winner 
was Somba Amore at nil in the Wimmera. Must have felt like a group one at Flemington. Yeah, it was. I stood up about 100 metres out and saluted. Yeah, it was for Terry Sutherland. I, I remember trialling her and she, uh, I didn't really still, at that point, didn't have any idea how, like, a good horse felt or good, good how well they trialled. But I just remember she trialled really well. She won a trial quite easily. Um, and Terry said to me, oh, this will be your first winner. And sure enough, she was. Following a stint with Mark Young, you started to edge your way a little closer to town. You had a brief stay with Steve Richards at Flemington, but when an opportunity came up with Robert Smurden, you grabbed it with both hands. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, obviously, Robert, he's an extremely good trainer. I was lucky to work with him for quite a number of years. And... Uh, Nick Ryan was basically he he sort of was out of his time and he was looking for some another uh, apprentice and uh, Steve thought it'd be a good opportunity for to go to a bigger stable and uh, yeah so I took it with both hands. Who trained a mare called Fiona, who happened to be uh, your first city winner at Flemington? Uh, Mark trained her. Um, mm. She was owned by Doug Doug Breda uh, as well. Um, she was a. Uh, she was quite a good staying mare, actually. Um, I think she won about four or five on the tr- on the trot. Mm. Um, yeah, she was. Uh, yeah, she was uh, a shocking track work ride. I've never ridden a horse that could pull so hard and just just give you the worst time uh, in cantering, galloping, whatever. But oh, in a race, in mm. a race, she was just a total different horse. She'd just spit the bit completely, mm. conserve her energy, and give you a really good kick. Yeah, well, that first winning ride in town for young Ryan Maloney was in a 2,570-metre race at Flemington. Most kids win their first race, don't they, at 1,000 metres, maybe 1,200. Don't often see a kid ride his first winner over a long trip. Yeah, no, I uh, I just remember that too. And Jamie Anstis led, led him up and I drew, I drew 15 and I remember... <laughs> You, you'd, you'd crucify a kid doing it these days, but with her, for whatever reason, you, she'd, like I said, she'd be the worst track work ride, but um, you could give her a dig out of the gates as harder or harder stuff as you want, and she'd just always come back underneath and switch off completely. And I remember I drew, it was about 15 or 14, I, I quickly crossed the field, and then I slowed up, and they all went around me, and I was able to box seat. Mm, perfect. You were still claiming three kilos in town when you first started to ride for Robbie Griffiths, who thought enough of you to put you on his grand old horse, Dandy Kid. Fifteen of Dandy Kid's wins were at Mooney Valley. That's probably still a record. You won five races on him, all at Mooney Valley. He was a real on pacer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was actually really. He was sort of. He's a really good apprentice's horse. He just sort of make his own luck, and obviously his record, like you said, still stands. So he was just a horse for course. Um, and Dean Lester mentioned to him uh, as they were looking for a three kilo that uh, I'd be a good suit. And mm-hmm. his first couple of rides, I drew really wide on him, and I just had no luck whatsoever. And I thought I'll be getting taken off it. Mm-hmm. But luckily enough, he backed him up on the Wednesday after the Saturday and I was able to win on him and, and then from then on I had a really good association with him. Mm. You loved a mare called Angelic Light from the Robbie Griffith stable. 
You wrote a four yeah. times, two wins, including a Group 2 at Mooney Valley. That was the McEwen, in which she beat Lankan Rupee fair and square. Yeah, she was a very she was a very good mare. Unfortunately, injury plagued her, so we probably never got to see the best of her. But um, yeah, she uh, she had abundance of ability, and uh, there was a great ownership group in her. And Robbie, like you said, he was um, a great supporter. And uh, I, I, Michael Rod, I think, wrote her first up mm-hmm. before the McEwen, and I was suspended, and I didn't think I'd get back on her, but. Mm. Uh, it's very loyal, Rob, and um, luckily enough, I did. And uh, that day, it just panned out perfect. They went hard. There was, they sort of took Lakeland Root PR, uh, took it, took him on, and mm. we just had the perfect backdrop and timed in at the right time. And she was too good. You rode Angelic Light in a Group One too. The Robert Sangster at Morfordville, and you went under by only half a length to a horse called Platelet. Did you have every hope in that race? She did, yeah. She she uh, platelet probably um, just had the water on her. She was probably just that bit more mature, and I did get sort of uh, not held up, but platelet sort of pinched the brake on us, and I couldn't pull pull back the margin. But she was still probably not fully furnished at that stage of her career, and um, later on when she did come back, she was really furnished into that good, really good Group One type mare that she 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 become. Mm. Well, here's one that people may never have known and others may have forgotten. The best horse you rode while with Robert Smurton was Nature Strip, who retired recently with over $20 million in prize money. You ran second first up on him at Mooney Valley and then you landed three straight wins, a benchmark 70 at the Valley by five and a half lengths, another benchmark 70 at Sandown by a similar margin, then you won an open race at Flemington. I bet he wanted to get on his way in those early days, Ryan. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, uh, that was his only fault. He was just that bit aggressive. Um, just didn't really know how to conserve his energy, but he did within time. Obviously, uh, age was his best friend. He, he learned to get into that beautiful rhythm that we all seen. Mm. Um, while he was in Sydney, but the early days, yeah, he was just like a bull out of a gate, and he um, he was quite fierce. And even in track work, he was a sort of the same. He just whatever was around him, he just wanted to beat. Um, and I think every now and then, when he puts put in those flat runs, I think it was just because of the matter in which he went about mm. his track work, his races. He just gave everything he had, and um, every now and then, it caught up with him. Mm. I imagine you would have watched a lot of his races in jockeys' rooms uh, on race courses in Victoria and uh, in Queensland. Uh, you would have watched him on the big screen as you were going to the barrier at one of those meetings. Must have been a surreal feeling to watch him go around in four Everests. Yeah, yeah. No, I never, never. I always watched his uh, races. I made sure I, um, I was uh, if I could. You know, if I couldn't. I always had a re- I watched his replays. Um, mm. Like I said, yeah, he was a great horse to be a part of, and certainly from day dot before he raced, um, there's a lot of horses that uh, give you that X factor feel, but they just uh, they don't have the will to win mm. or the constitution of the the champions. And from day dot, he he had the demeanour of 
he just wanted to do it. Um, he was a gentleman to be around, um, and it was just great to be a part of it and to then see what he went on to do. What he went on to do. Yeah, remarkable. Mm-hmm. Of all the nice horses you rode, Ryan, in those early days, one of your favourites was Sertorius, a gelding, who was trained by Jamie Edwards. You won seven races on Sertorius, four in the city, five straight at one stage. You won a Group 3 Easter Cup, a Group 3 Zipping Classic and a Bendigo Cup. You'd like a barn full like him to ride? Yeah, he was He, he was probably the – to be honest, he was probably the best stayer. That I just couldn't believe how well he re- recovered these wind, his athletic, athleticism. Mm. Um, and he was just tough. He could just stay all day. Um and uh, yeah, he was really a horse that um, that gave me that bit of first taste of sort of black type races. I mentioned in the intro that you spent four months out as a result of that positive test to a uh, prohibited stimulant. You were not in a good headspace at that time, were you, Ryan? And you have no doubt it was an open and shut case of burnout. The workload of the busy jockeys in Victoria is horrendous. Yeah, it, it it is, John. Um, especially with when you're young too. Um, I think the younger you are, the obviously the more energy you got. But um, in Victoria, we didn't, we don't really know anything else. It's sort of seven days a week, races, majority of the days, and then majority of days you don't um, you don't race. You're sort of doing track work or trials. But so um, you really need to find a balance, otherwise. Yeah, burnout. Um, it just it, it basically just creeped up on you before it's too late. So you really um, need to find that work-life balance, uh, especially if you've got a family too. It's even you sort of it's even more important to be honest. So mm. when you're young and single, it's uh, it's it's probably easy, a lot easier to handle. But um, mm. once you get a bit older and have a bit more um, responsibility, responsibilities, yeah, mm. it's uh, a different story. You found a wonderful diversion during your time off when you landed a role in the popular movie Ride Like a Girl. Now, you portrayed none other than your old mate Brett Preble. Now, (laughs) I've been wondering, Ryan, why the hell they didn't get Brett Preble to play Brett Preble? (laughs) Uh, Good question. Uh, I I, I most likely thought it think he was too busy. yeah, he possibly could have still been in Hong Kong, actually. Um, uh. Uh, but uh, luckily enough, he didn't take up the role, and uh, I did. And yeah, it was a, a different experience. It's quite fun. Uh, it was very interesting to see what went on behind uh, the scenes and how much editing sort of. Because I uh, was in a lot more of the movie than uh, what was shown on the actual the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you'd be sit around most of the day, be on set for about an hour, and then other times you'd be uh, on set for most of the day and sitting around for an hour. So, yeah, um, yeah it was uh, it was certainly coming at the right time anyway. Were you happy with your performance? No, nah, not, not, not really, to be honest. I uh, certainly <laughs> won't be getting any uh, any Oscar nominees. So, um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it was a good experience, good fun, and uh, it came at the right time. Certainly, yeah. 
to uh, help pay the bills. Took your mind off uh, all the other little problems in that era. So there have been no future contractual offers? No, no, uh, yeah, no, uh, no managers, yeah. um, no directors ringing up for, for my services in the future, that's for sure. Yeah, you were the original one-hit wonder, were you? <laughs> I wouldn't say wonder, but yeah, it was, it was one hit anyway. <laughs> yeah. We'll take a, a break on the podcast, Ryan, and when we come back, we'll talk about phase two of your riding career in sunny Queensland. The upcoming Summer Cup on Boxing Day is one of the oldest races on the Randwick calendar, making its debut in 1890 with Stockwell as the inaugural winner. The first few editions were over 13 furlongs. It was run over a mile and a half for 60 years before going to 2,000 metres in 2013. The Summer Cup has had Group 3 status since 1979. Prize money is up $50,000 this year to a quarter of a million. Some outstanding stayers have won the race on their way to greater heights. A great horse called Carioca was the 1952 winner on his way to wins in the Sydney Cup and Metropolitan the following year. Baystone won the Summer Cup in 56 and the Melbourne Cup two years later. Duo won the Summer Cup in 1967, more than a year after his wins in the Newcastle Cup and Metropolitan, as well as a third placing to Galilee in the Melbourne Cup. The Summer Cup of 1976 was Ming Dynasty's first major win on his way to two Australian Cups, two Caulfield Cups, a Metropolitan, and a reputation as one of the most popular horses in the country. In 1984, Rising Prince completed completed the Villiers Summer Cup double, and the following year he won the Cox Plate with Kevin Langby on board. In 1988, the Summer Cup was the fifth of 20 wins for the amazing Superimpose with Shane Dye in the saddle. These are just some of the big name winners of a race that has been part and parcel of Boxing Day in Sydney since 1890. Well, as soon as you announced your arrival in Queensland, trainers were looking for you. You got away to a flying start with David Van Dyke. I think your first four rides for David all won. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was uh, – it had a good – I came up a bit, a bit early. Just, I just wanted to suss the whole place out. I wanted to get to know the horses with Toby and that, and mm. I think it certainly paid dividends going forward. Um, I got to know the tracks and got to meet quite a few of the owners and – yeah, it certainly paid dividends in the end, I think. Mm. Well, it was no surprise when David asked you to ride a promising horse he had in the stable with the unusual name of alligator blood, a term which is well known to poker players. Now, Jeff Lloyd had won two races on the horse before his retirement, but you were the jockey when he won first up at Doombin after a lengthy spell. Just go back to that race. What did you think of him, first ride? Yeah, he he had certainly really good explosive, really good explosive turn of foot, and um, I really didn't think at that stage anyway that I didn't think he'd get to the heights he um, he got to. But mm. sort of sort of later on, after it just seemed to keep progressing and keep getting keep getting better as he is uh, as the prep went on and. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, he was always very tough. He he was another one like Nature Strip. Even in his gallops, he just didn't want to be beaten. Um, mm-hmm. 
he um, a lot of those good horses are just like that. And then um, he went to he went to Caulfield first up. Uh, David was a bit concerned because he had a gallop there the Tuesday before, and mm. he said, "Oh, he goes, I don't know what to make for it. If anything, I'm a bit disappointed because he." he uh, I said, and I said that uh, when they're working on the outside, I said a lot of them just get lost. I said uh, they just have a good look around because uh, I've, I've, I know from previous galloping horses um, on the course proper on the outside fence, especially in the mornings there, they just yeah. For whatever reason, they just have a real good gawk around and don't uh, work as good as they normally do. But I said I, I said I wouldn't be too concerned. And then he come out and he won the um, the lead up to the guineas. The that, prelude, uh, yeah, the prelude, yeah, and he won quite with with a fair bit of authority. Yeah, and then came the Caulfield Guineas itself. Super Seth was giving you six length start at the two hundred meters. You couldn't believe it possible that he could run you down because your bloke wasn't walking. No, I never uh, – I, uh, I was on top of the moon at the two hunt, at the furlong and the top of the, uh, the winning post. I uh, And then I felt so sick in my stomach. I, I mm. thought I got beat and I was just looking for the, the camera car and the pony, hopefully, hoping yeah. the pony would uh, come over and want to interview me, but they uh, yeah, went straight to Mark and uh, – mm. Yeah, Mark Zara, yeah. who uh, he's yeah. had a he's had a great run subsequently too, hasn't he, Mark? Yeah, he's a absolutely superb jockey. Um, uh, he's another one that's been around for quite a while and seemed just gone from strength to strength from season to season. Gone to another level. Well, Alligator yeah. Blood had a little freshen up before the Brisbane Summer Carnival. He won the Gold Edition Plate. He won the Vaux Rogue Plate. And then came that sensational guineas of 2020 on the Gold Coast. He won the race. He was disqualified when he returned a positive swab to Altrinagist. Two years later, amazing story. That ruling was overturned by the Supreme Court and the horse was reinstated as the winner. He then went for a well-earned spell. He was back in Melbourne the following autumn for a three-race campaign with Ryan Maloney, the jockey. He won the C.S. Hayes Stakes. Then he scored brilliantly in the Australian Guineas. Now, I can imagine what you were saying under your breath when a ruffie called Commodus, who was quoted at $301, right, <laughs> Pest, pestered you for much of the race. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure everyone can uh, under, understood what I was uh, saying under my breath. But oh, yeah. um, uh, I was able to get a couple of cheap sectionals after I established the lead, and from the 600, um, I don't think I've had that feel since him. I just, you just, he come underneath me, and I just thought, geez, I don't think he's going to get beaten, and he basically yeah, toyed with him. I and I was a bit concerned because the um, the CS Hayes, I just was wondering how much it took out of him because it was a bit of a gut buster mm -hmm. uh, with Catalyst sort of taking it up to him and t um, taking me on and mm -hmm. making me go from uh, from quite a long way out. And it was a quite uh, testing track that day too. So mm -hmm. I was just a bit concerned how much it did take out of him. But obviously uh, you've seen what he'd done that day. Um, well, didn't, he exploded, didn't, didn't he? Yeah. 
He exploded. Brilliant win. That was your first group one, the Australian yes. Guineas. Hey, Ryan, we probably should explain to our listeners that you're sitting in your car uh, doing this podcast in the Botanical Gardens in the Gold Coast hinterland, and there's a very rude, very overbearing black crow making his presence felt. I think he's just flown away. I think we're right now. We've offended him. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he, he did make a noise. Well, Alligator ran in the All-Star Mile after that. He was unplaced, not far away, though, behind Regal Power. And I think I read at the time you were concerned about his action. Yeah, he just, he, he for whatever, he, he come out and he pulled quite hard throughout the race, which he doesn't normally do. Um, and he just wasn't 100% and... Uh, I think I think he I can't remember the diagnosis after it, but yeah, he, he basically just went out straight for a spell, and um, it was more to that when he come back the next preparation, he wasn't 100. percent He was mm-hmm. wanting to sort of sit down in the back of the gates. He wasn't jumping as cleanly as he normally does, and he just wasn't giving you that same feel that he he um, he did in these previous preparations, and mm-hmm. uh, subsequently he, um, he he didn't go. Didn't fire, really fire down in Sydney, and then they found that he had kissing spine yeah. uh, in his back. So he uh, went and had the operation, and um, then uh, for whatever reason, um, ended up with Billy Healy. Billy couldn't quite get him going either, and then uh, we uh, went down to Gay and Adrian's, and mm. I always thought Gay's uh, training style would certainly suit him because he just loved loved he was he's a real trade tradesman like just a trojan horse sort of work mm. with it work ethic sort of thing mm. and uh yeah and then we've seen what he's done he's he, i always thought he had the um makings of a really good weight trade horse and he's proven that to today i think he's won another six group ones yeah a- amazing now you got to ride him three more times after the All-Star Mile in the spring. You ran third at Doombin, you ran second in the Silver Eagle, and then he was unplaced in the Golden Eagle on a heavy nine, and he didn't like that one little bit. No, he, like, and like I said, he just wasn't 100%, and uh, subsequently, like I said, he, he they found that kissing spine, and... Uh, Unfortunately, that was the last time I sat on him, but yeah, I've always followed him um, with really keen interest. And uh, he's, yeah, it's been uh, a credit to him and everyone involved of what he's been able to do since. You were pretty chuffed uh, this autumn just gone when Annabelle Neesham brought you to Sydney to ride Sunshine in Paris. You ran second first up to In Secret, and then she got out of a tight spot in the straight to score a very gutsy win in the Group 1 surround stakes at Randwick. That was a very important win for Ryan Maloney, wasn't it? Yeah, 100% it was. Um, a few clients from Aquas uh, were, in, were in her and um, they gave me a good push to Annabelle to, to um, see if I could ride her and I took the, took the opportunity and said yes straight away. Um, the, the, she, uh, she had... She had a pretty good record. She obviously she was a bit stiff in a Doombin race, and uh, she, uh, stroll beat her. And um, mm. 
I came down and rode her in the light fingers, I think it was. Yes, and it was. Yeah. She had a little shuffly action on her. She was only she was only a little pony, and uh, yeah, it was, she was a different horse once the gates opened. Um, and I still think if she had a scene, uh, I can't remember that it was one of um, the dolphins' horses that beat her that day, and she just she was too far from the inside to see, and because she used to rally as soon as something come up beside her. She'd rally, and she just didn't quite see it, and it had a momentum. But I was sure if uh, she seen her that day, it, she would have. It would have been a different story. But mm. good enough for me. Uh, they kept me on her, and um, in the group one, and uh, the rest is history. Mm. Well, she had two barrier trials before she began her spring campaign this year in the Chiraco Stakes at Rose Hill. Not only did she beat a very good one in Espiona. But uh, she was absolutely dynamic on the day, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, she was explosive. She actually made a, she was a pretty arrogant win, to be honest, especially mm. the colour of a horse that she beat and the, way she, and the manner she'd done it. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just a huge thrill, to be honest. Um, she had a fair few knockers on her saying that she didn't try all that well or uh, she wasn't she wasn't uh, probably up to the mark and – um, she she's not a horse that always sort of trialed that well or galloped that well. But the Tuesday just before that race, it was probably the best piece of work she'd done. So I knew she was in good good order. Mm. And yeah, it was uh, it was basically as soon as I pulled off their back, it was all over. Yeah, well, she was impressive enough for Aquas to lock her into their spot for the Everest. And what a thrill for you! You had a ride in a twenty million dollar race. Yeah, it was certainly a huge buzz um, getting the slot and then uh, retaining the ride because there was a few trying to get me off her back. Um, oh, yeah. And John Camilleri, he stood stood solid and so did Annabelle. So um, I was assured there. So I was, yeah, I was ecstatic, to be honest, to have a ride in the Everest and certainly being there in a the couple of last um, times that the race has been held, just the uh, atmosphere. I didn't have a ride, obviously, but just being there and seeing the crowd and you could hear the uh, the Sweet Caroline song being sung from the rooms mm. and it just shook the walls. But, um, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was, like I said, it was, I was quite ecstatic when I found out that I secured it. But, uh, unfortunately, that was only um, temporary. Yeah, only fleeting because you were devastated a few days later to learn that she'd gone amiss with a minor injury, thankfully, but it put her right out of the spring carnival. They, they call it the agony and the ecstasy of horse racing, Ryan. Yeah, and, uh, you could be on the top of the world at one point and straight back down to earth very quickly. But, um, uh, look, I, um, I've learned to cope with um, that sort of um, bad luck very well over the years. Um, mm. You sort of just, you can't really dwell on it or um, sit there too long and lick your wounds because mm. uh, you'll get run over quite quickly. And mm. at the end of the day, it's uh, it's their horses and things do go wrong. And as long as you're 100% and everyone around you is 100%, um, I think you, you can't, you're lucky stars, to be honest. Yep. Isotope was a talented mare. You got to ride for Tony Gollan. You won two listed races on this mare at Doomban, the Mode Plate and the Gold Edition Plate. And I recall you were absolutely gobsmacked 
by her win in the gold edition when she beat away game and Apache Chase. It was an amazing win. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, she could uh, – she, she, she's very temperamental in the gates and she could sometimes step very slowly. So you have, sort of had to leave her be. That was the sort of – I think it was the first or second time I rode her and I wasn't um, fully aware how to, to – um, to get it to stay calm in the gates, but mm. as I got on, I um I learned that you just got to let it be, and she got to jump. If she screwed sideways, you just got to let her jump like that, because mm. if you try and correct her, she'll jump even worse. But um, yeah, that day she didn't step very clean. Um, I was three quarters back from the field, and sort of from the six hundred at Doombin, the worst spot you want to be is not being able to flow into the race or getting a drag into the race. If you're getting dragged out of the race, you've mm. just got no hope and. Uh, I remember, I think it was the horse of Jimmy Burns was coming back my lap, and I'm just going, ah, oh. the race was getting further and further away from me, and I was able then to quickly get to the outside of him. And when I got to the sort of near the top of the straight, I just seen away games kick clear through the on the inside, mm. and I reckon I was standing her up at least eight lengths and eight to ten lengths, I think, and um, we sort of got down the dip and. I thought, oh, I'm going to run a good third or second here. And then she just kept building and building. And you know, at the 100, I thought, no, nah, surely she can't pick up and win. And mm. I can't, amazingly, amazingly, she done she done it. And yeah. you don't, you just don't see that at Doom. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it was probably one of her best wins by far. Mm. Well, disaster struck in the Magic Millions Guineas. You and Isotope parted company. What happened? Yeah, it's amazing. You can find that much trouble in a race and it never hit the deck. And then all it took was one one clip of a heel, and that was uh, the race over for me. Um, oh dear. Uh, it was yeah, extremely unfortunate. I went to the inside away game, and I she just crabbed around the corner as I went to go inside away game, and just clipped the the, the side of a heel, and she knuckled, and I was hanging over her neck. I just couldn't bring myself back on on top of her and unfortunately that was that was it mm-hmm. uh, it was a very yeah it was very extremely tough pill to swallow mm-hmm. certainly just I knew all the work and she was obviously favourite for the race um, and I thought she would have won too so mm-hmm. uh, luckily the only shoot group was really supportive they said they were actually probably took it better than me to be honest mm-hmm. Tony took it really well and I was able to repay him uh, when she went down to Sydney in the Derby Munro. Oh, and wasn't that a win? That was a couple of months later. She won the black-type Derby Munro stakes at Rose Hill. Brilliant win. Then she ran second in the Arrow Field at Randwick. Then, Ryan, she disappeared for a long time. What happened? Yeah, I think she had a, she had a bit of uh... Oh, sorry, no, she had a... Um... She swallowed a gumboot. <laughs> If you wouldn't believe it, a gumboot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you can quote me on it. I'm pretty sure it was a gumboot. Um, Good heavens! She was at a, she was at a spelling, uh, having a spell, and uh, she come back into work, and the, she she got barely bad colic, or I think it was something like that, and she had to go for an operation. And they pulled a gumboot out of her. Goodness gracious! Hey, that's and original, said, mate. <laughs> And they said uh, she could have it could have been there from 
a long should have been there for years. Like uh, the vet said, they do pull all sorts of thing weird things out of horses' stomachs. But mm. yeah, a gum boot certainly. If she was running around with that, um, she she done a very good job. Well, you've come up with an original today. Yeah, it's the first time for everything. A spell enforced by having swallowed a gumboot. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Anyway, she came back and you were able to compensate the owners and Tony Gollan by winning a million-dollar race on that filly on the Gold Coast about a year after the mishap in the Guineas. That would make you feel a lot better. Yeah, it was a bit of consolation, um, certainly. Uh, she, she, in, again, that day she was, she was dominant. Um, it just panned out perfect. Away game sort of let us up. We had to, just to drop on them and mm. chimed in, and it was over very quickly. Let's look at this better-than-ready filly, Skirt the Law. You've ridden her in all seven starts, three wins, two placings. You won a couple at Doombin, and then you rode her an absolute treat to win the Magic Millions for a huge female ownership group. You must have been plastered in lipstick at the presentation, were you? Uh, believe it or not, no, I wasn't, no. They, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was too sweaty for him to... to uh, to uh, get the lipstick stuck on there, but um, <laughs> if she was one, I I, uh, I remember seeing her in the mount yard. I never had anything to do with her before I rode her in a race, and mm. she was light. She didn't have much muscle definition whatsoever, and mm. uh, I didn't really yeah know, know anything about her. And she she come out and she she showed good speed. She led throughout, and uh, I thought yeah it was a pretty convincing win. And I said to Tony, "Geez, I didn't uh, looking at her, I didn't expect that." And he goes, "Oh no, I, well, I did." And then the next start, uh, she, I couldn't believe how well she'd done. She's strengthened up. She looked a treat. She really didn't tuck up as much as what two-year-olds do after their first run. Mm. And she come out and she did the same thing again but better. And then uh, she just seemed to furnish the longer the preparation went on. She had a, went down and had a good trial before the um, uh, the, the, uh, the Magic Millions and mm. – uh, yeah, she just had that perfect preparation. She was a perfect two-year-old. Um, she had a beautiful, beautiful nature on her. She did uh, mm. do whatever you want, and I think that's what you certainly need for a Magic Wings horse, considering um, mm. they uh, it's their, their first preparation from when they're two-year-olds because um, obviously August the 1st is their birthday and January uh, the 13th is the Magic Millions, so they don't really have a long time in between. No. She went to Melbourne in the spring. She had three runs. They were all okay, but no wins. How's she going, Ryan? She had a small um, fracture in her fetlock. I'm pretty sure it was a near fetlock. Mm-hmm. Um, her first up run was quite good. There was a bit of give in the track, so I think that helped her along the way. But just her demeanour changed dramatically from when um, – from her, from her first preparation to then, she was mm. jacking up, going out for track work. She was wanting to sort of bolt on the riders. She just, yeah, unhappy. Uh, yeah, so she was basically telling the um, basically telling us that she wasn't right, and she went down the straight, and she just wasn't nowhere near at her best. And um, then at the Mooney Valley, she she was put in a real shocker, and then uh, mm. they found uh, when they. They uh, did the X-ray. She there. Yeah, she showed up. She had a small fracture in her headlock. Mm. So, hence why uh, 
she didn't go as well as what we thought. Right. Have you been on her on the track? Not this time. No, she's had the operation. I, I dare say she'll be back in the um, in the autumn. Ah, good. We'll keep an eye out for her. Skirt the law, Magic Millions winner. You enjoyed a lovely little career highlight recently when you won the famous Doombin Cup on Wet Tour for Team Snowden. Perfect ride. You were in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it certainly could pan out with... Um, we always knew we were going to get the good genuine speed with Zaki in it. And he just uh, lobbed in sort of midfield and he's just switched off beautiful. And from the 600, I, was all, I had the right horses to be following, but I just couldn't ignore the... Uh, it just kept sort of opening up to my outside and the momentum I sort of kept picking up. I thought I'd um, I just got to take uh, right the percentages here and um, uh, New Marion sort of took me into it and it was, uh, yeah, luckily we got the right away in the end. <laughs> Must have been a thrilling moment and a very proud moment for you to stand on that stage at the Racing Queensland Awards Night at the end of the 2021 season to be crowned champion Queensland jockey, state and metropolitan. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, uh, it just, just goes to show how much support that I've had since I've been here. Uh, it's been overwhelming, to be honest. Um, um, and to think that uh, that I've done it... Um, when I sort of my second, third year that I've been here. So, mm. um, yeah, I was extremely proud um, to be able to achieve that achieve that goal and I uh, certainly hope I can do it again. Yeah, it, it's something you wouldn't have imagined when you were delivering a, a fine performance in Act 1, Scene 1 of Ride Like a Girl. <laughs> certainly not. I, uh, yeah, it's um, funny how things can change around pretty quickly. I just remember sort of telling a few people that I'm thinking about moving to Queensland. They said, uh, why would you do that? You're going well enough here. Um, mm. uh, the prize money's not as good and you won't be able to ride sort of in the main races, but it actually worked in defect. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly been, in hindsight, uh, the easy, best, best uh, decision I've ever made. Mm. You and Shaylee and the girls are living on a lovely 10-acre property nowadays at Canungra on the Gold Coast hinterland, and that's where you retrieve your sanity between racing commitments. Yeah, we uh, we bought a property uh, two, three years ago now. Um, we uh, renovated the whole house. That was a bit of a uh, task, but um, mm. certainly, certainly uh, worth it because the the mountain backdrop, we've got a river in the back of the property and it's just, you can just go there and just switch off completely where sort of being in a city, you can't obviously switch off nowhere near as much, but it's very peaceful and, uh, yeah, it's, um, we're, we're able to uh, have a pony for the kids. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's certainly, certainly my cup of tea. Does Shaley monitor your rides? Ah, uh, yeah, she's a, yeah, she, uh, she watches them quite often. She doesn't go to the races as much, but um, she's always uh, um, having a look and making sure that uh, that I'm doing my best. And what of your girls, Stella, who's 12, and Isla, who's 10? You say they've got a pony. Are they pretty keen on riding? 
Well, it suits them, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> they're, they're both they're more into sports these days. Um, but to Isla, she, she seems to go through phases. Um, so the pony uh, it gets lunged, I think, more than it gets ridden. But um, it, it enjoys its uh, time. It's got a nice two-acre paddock and uh, it gets to never misses a feed, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, it's lovely. Well, Ryan, you and I have never met, but I've watched your riding over a number of years, and it's no surprise to me that you've already won a Brisbane Jockeys Premiership. You've established yourself very quickly in a strong jockeys pool up there. Keep up the good work, and thanks for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound, and give my regards to Kenny Crow there in the Botanical Gardens. Well, do, John. No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Ryan Maloney on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. The upcoming Summer Cup on Boxing Day is one of the oldest races on the Randwick calendar, making its debut in 1890 with Stockwell as the inaugural winner. First few editions were over 13 furlongs. It was run over a mile and a half for 60 years before going to 2,000 metres in 2013. The Summer Cup has had Group 3 status since 1979. Prize money is up 50 thousand dollars this year to a quarter of a million some outstanding stayers have won the race on their way to greater heights a great horse called carioca was the 1952 winner on his way to wins in the sydney cup and metropolitan the following year baystone won the summer cup in 56 and the Melbourne Cup two years later. Duo won the Summer Cup in 1967, more than a year after his wins in the Newcastle Cup and Metropolitan, as well as a third placing to Galilee in the Melbourne Cup. The Summer Cup of 1976 was Ming Dynasty's first major win on his way to two Australian Cups, two Caulfield Cups, a Metropolitan, and a reputation as one of the most popular horses in the country. In 1984, Rising Prince completed completed the Villiers Summer Cup double and the following year he won the Cox Plate with Kevin Langby on board. In 1988, the Summer Cup was the fifth of 20 wins for the amazing Superimpose with Shane Dye in the saddle. These are just some of the big name winners of a race that has been part and parcel of Boxing Day in Sydney since 1890.